0: When the art day gets rough, you just gotta keep on punching. And here's your Thunder Punch Daily with Jersey Droz. Scourge, but not the scourge that you might be thinking of. Um, Generation One fans remember scourge as being that blue... Uh, sort of hovercraft thing that Unicron turned some dying Decepticons into in Transformers the movie and then they became, Scourge and the Sweeps became this fleet of sort of uh, army building soldier, army builder soldier figures in the Transformers line. Um, Scourge being the leader of them, the only one with any like real personality. The rest of them were just like kind of kind of useless cronies and cowards. But I'm not talking about him. I've already spent almost a minute and I'm not talking about that Scourge. I'm talking about the 2001 Robots in Disguise Scourge. Very different character. And while I like the Gen 1 Scourge okay, I mean, he was in a lot of episodes and he had some moments. um, In my opinion, he pales in comparison to the Robots in Disguise Scourge. Now, a quick refresher. If you've been, you know, tuning into these daily microcast journal entries, I've only done one other Robots in Disguise character so far, and that was Skybite. And one of the reasons I love Scourge so much is because of the pairing that he has with Skybite. They're almost like um, bitter siblings. But just to refresh our memories, Robots in Disguise was a 2001 series based on a Japanese cartoon called Car Robots, which was imported to the United States by Saban. And uh, broadcast on Fox Kids on Saturday mornings, and it is a comparatively silly show. It is much more aimed at younger kids. It has sort of the pacing and the, the humor of similar series like Pokemon or Digimon. Has it, and similarly, it has the same kind of heart that you can find in those shows as well. Um, but if you're looking for, you know, um, dark brooding contemplations of uh, Transformers continuity and um, the deep ruminations on the Civil War between Autobot and Decepticon and the implications that that has on the universe at large. i could not going to find that here. It's a very silly, lighthearted show. And although Scourge is a um, immensely, I would say immensely, he's a threatening character. He's a bad, bad guy. Um, a quick memory that I could share about the, the my relationship with the character in the early days is... Uh, to, to summarize or to, um, paint a picture of it. 2001 and 1996, 97 were like two periods in my life where I was actually, I would call myself a toy collector. Like I, I, I have a lot of different kinds of toys in my collection, but, but I don't, I don't consider myself somebody who like, you know, takes it so seriously that I have what anybody would call a proper collection. That's worth anything. It's more like, you know, Little things that make me happy. And as a matter of fact, like the, the smaller and the weirder the things these days, usually the, the more happy they make me. Uh, I recently bought, you know, three incomplete clawfuls from a toy store just because I thought, well, it'd be fun just to have like a a, a wall of clawfuls someday, all in various states of disrepair, right? Um, just because the, the idea delights me, not because i like, I wanna be like the ultimate clawful collector. Um, so, but, but, 96, 97, and 2001 were two periods where it's like, I was going to the toy section at stores often to look for the new, in the 90s, it was Beast Wars figures. In 2001, it was Transformers, Robots in Disguise figures. Uh, I was really over the moon for that show. And I remember going to Toys R Us with my wife, uh, and <laughs> we're just, we are just, I, I was heading toward where I knew the Transformers were, and I passed an end cap where I saw three Scourges in the box stacked up on the end cap. And I did not know that that figure was out yet. I did not know that they were releasing Scourge in stores. And I involuntarily screamed in the store. You know, it was like, it was like a Henry Higgins sort of like, ah, kind of thing. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's like I, 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 I am, um, I pay my bills on time. Uh, I'm never really like in in super financial trouble, but I don't have like a lot of extra money to throw around on toys, even when I was in my collecting periods. But like without any hesitation, I just suddenly found myself with a scourge under each arm. <laughs> like it's like I don't know how that happened. I, I, I heard myself scream and then suddenly I had two scourges. Uh one for me and one for a friend. Um yeah, yeah, it was like that that's how that's how into that series and this character I was. Um why though? Why? Because actually stepping back even a few more years before that in I want to say 93, 94 or 95, this is just before Beast Wars, there was a series called Transformers Generation 2 which they took a bunch of old toys from the original series and repainted them, recolored them a bit, gave them some new electronics. Um, so like they re-released the original Optimus Prime, but like there was this little like device you could snap onto his trailer that had like three buttons. You could play different sounds where he'd say, I am Optimus Prime. And it wasn't Peter Collins voice. And then like all their weapons fired missiles now. Um, and I want to say it was like a few years into that, they released a character called Laser Rod Optimus Prime. I guess it was a series of Transformers called the Laser Rods, which had some kind of light up features if I remember right. Um doesn't matter what's important is that laser rod optimus you can do an image search for him he's utterly silly He was actually a cool looking toy but like he was an oil tanker they changed optimus from a you know just semi tractor trailer to uh a semi truck dragging um an oil tanker behind him and emblazoned on the oil tanker was a painting of optimus prime firing his gun and it said optimus prime along the side of the oil tank right so much so much then for robots in disguise (laughs) Now he's like, he's really leaning into his identity as, you know, uh hard hitting leader of the Autobots. But the, the toy was pretty cool. He came with this big sword that when you put it in his hand, you press the button on his back, the sword would light up. You put, he had like a, a, a double barrel laser cannon that you put in his hand and you press the button on his back and the, the ends of the laser cannon light up. Um, he was really posable, which was unusual for Transformers up to that point. Um, so he was a neat toy and I actually had him, but like, you know, at the same time, I was like, this, this, this trailer is silly and like the, the paint job on him is kind of silly, but Oh well, it's it's a neat looking Optimus. Well, Scourge was a repainting of that figure, and the way they worked it into the show is really fascinating. Robots in Disguise is just a, a fascinating toy line in general because it's it's made of a handful of brand new figures like Exbron, Prowl, and um, Sideburn, and like the Build Team, which is like a heroic group of Autobot uh, construction vehicles who combine into a a big guy, sort of like Devastator, but totally different molds. But then they mixed in some old toys. Like, so Ruination, it shows up and he is basically a repainted version of the Combaticons in Bruticus. So that's like from gen one. And then you get gen two, laser rod Optimus who gets repainted as Scourge. So it's, it's a really interesting mishmash of materials to make this series. And the way they worked in Scourge is in an episode called the Decepticons. I think it's episode 14. Um, Optimus and the Autobots find a wrecked Autobot ship with Autobot protoforms on board in stasis. Now, an idea that was introduced in Beast Wars, if I remember right, is that um, Autobots can be in these sort of like, I don't know, like almost like an ectoplasmic or like a, uh, a blank robot state. Like there's like, just like, like generic platonic ideal. Say say the word robot and what pops in your mind. It's like that, and it's a gray thing. inside of this uh, lozenge, lozenge, lozenge style pod a stasis pod and when they land on the planet where they're going to do their work they can they a scanner pops up they scan for local vehicles and life forms that they are compatible with and they emerge from the stasis pod in their new form and they, they give themselves a name well megatron beats the autobots to the ship and steals the protoforms and then injects them with deceptive or Predacon programming and has them scan local vehicles to find alt modes But because, remember, Predacons are Transformers who turn into animals, Slapper, Gaskunk, and Dark dark Scream turn into a frog, um, a skunk, and a flying squirrel, respectively. Skybite turns into a shark. Megatron turns into a two headed dragon. Okay. Uh, (laughs) But these guys all turn into vehicles. So he he takes five of the protoforms and they scan like a Jeep, a space shuttle, uh, you know, a uh, military uh, sort of truck thing and a tank. And then these basically the Combaticons helicopter. And they become the first Decepticons. So Predacons come before Decepticons in the series. And the final one, he's got one protoform left. And meanwhile, this human is trying to escape from the battle. They're on like a military base where Megatron's scanning all these things. And she jumps into an oil tanker to drive away. And as she's driving away, um, some of the like, you know, fire between the uh, Predacons and Autobots hits around her and the truck starts to tip over. Optimus, understandably goes to save her and runs to stop the truck from tipping over and exploding just as Megatron scans the truck with the protoform so out emerges from the protoform a dark copy of Optimus he looks just like Optimus except in RID Optimus is a fire truck he's now this oil tanker but when he turns into robot mode he's a black gray and um, sort of laser blue color version of optimus and the question pops up megatron even says like okay you you know you scanned optimus and the truck at the same time and you're some kind of fusion of the two are you a good guy or a bad guy what side do you on?" and there's a moment of tension in the episode and everybody's waiting to hear and then he says i fight for megatron and the predacons you know uh and then then uh mega octane the leader of the you know former combaticons now just called decepticons He's like, ah, I'm glad to have you on my team. And Scourge's like, no, 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 I'm in charge. I'm leading you guys. And Mega Octane says, like, what, what are you talking about? So he, he is uh, he's a dark leader of Optimus, but he's different from Optimus in that, one, he's cruel. Two, he loves fighting. He loves it. He's like, he's, he's like a, a Klingon from the old Star Trek series, right? Uh, glory is only to be found in battle and conquering one's foes. And then the other distinguishing factor is he's actually subservient to Megatron. Right, like so, one would think that like maybe a dark optimist would be extra ambitious and be forced to be be contended with with by the leader of the bad guys, but no, scourge pledges loyalty and becomes the new second in command, co equal with skybite, right? Uh, and now we get to what really makes the character tick for me. So now you have, as of episode fourteen, moving forward. Um, Two lieutenants under Megatron, both of them wanting to please Megatron. Skybite, though, is a sensitive poet-artist who you know wants to inject his genius into every plan to really show Megatron how awesome he is. And all Scourge cares about is destroying his enemies. He doesn't care about flourish or style or any elegance or poetry to what he does. It's just like, conquer your enemies, decimate them, flatten them. That's what you do. So he can't stand Skybite because he thinks Skybite is a... uh, you know, a bit of a dandy and a fop. Skybite can't stand Scourge because he's, he's a brute. He's an idiot. He's, um, he's a crude, crude person and beneath his dignity, right? Um, but they both want to please Megatron. And they both want to come out on top. So you get this wonderful sibling rivalry between the two of them. Finally, the series hints at some point that Scourge is deep down. He actually is conflicted. And Optimus has a hypothesis that because Megatron scanned Optimus and the truck, that Optimus's spark, the Transformers equivalent of Soul, I guess, uh, got scanned as well, that some of his spark is informing Scourge's spark. Like they, they share some kind of like Cybertronian version of DNA between the two of them. And therefore, Optimus won't give up on him. He's like, I gotta turn that guy around, I'm gonna make him into a good guy. And the other Autobots are like he can't. He's a Decepticon. Megatron's programming is pretty, you know, pretty nasty. You're not gonna be able to undo that. But they do an episode where um, Scourge and the Decepticons reach out to Optimus and say, "Hey, look, we really we we've, we've looked inside our sparks. We know that we were Autobot protoforms, and we want to join up with you." And Optimus is like, "All right, well, let's talk about it." Well, the other Autobots are like, "No way. This isn't gonna happen. These guys are are bad news, and no make no mistake. So you know, let's." Uh, Let's call the whole thing off. But then Sideburn comes up with the idea of like putting them to a test. Let's test them to see, you know, what their real motives are. Now, uh, because it's robots in disguise, it's very silly and fun. And so, uh, you know, Scourge and the Decepticons show up to, you know, Sideburn's location, like, okay, what do you want us to do? How do we prove ourselves? And Sideburn's like, clean the park. And he hands them brooms. (laughs) They're like, what? We're warriors. We don't do this. And they're like, no, of course. Okay, we'll do it. We'll do it. And they clean up the park. And then, like, there's a, a scene where Scourge is directing traffic. Yeah, like, he he he, like uh, he and the Decepticons shoot at a guy who runs a red light, and then Scourge like gets down the window, and waves his sword. He's like, "You must obey the traffic laws. You could get hurt." You know. Um, and then in the, in the end of the episode, Optimus feels like, and, and Sideburn too. Like, the, I think they're on the up and up. They've done all these things. They they're helping people. They're cleaning the world. They're they're, they're not you know, lashing out in anger and destroying anything, I think they might be not lying to us. And Optimus is finally feeling justified, right? Well, Skybite has been spying on them the whole time. He's like, I can't believe it. Scourge is a traitor after all. This confirms everything that Skybite really wants, right? He wants this guy to be burned. Uh, So in the end of the episode, as Optimus is about to take Scourge to their headquarters, he's about to take Scourge to their headquarters, um their secret headquarters right the decepticons don't know where to find the autobots so like this is a big get it for for scourge and the decepticons skybite attacks he's like you traitor how dare you right and scourge is like oh this is the, my, this is a perfect opportunity i get to take care of skybite once and for all and i finally win optimus's trust you know from uh, all the way down because i'm going to take out one of optimus's enemies and during the battle scourge almost kills a human and Optimus says, you know, like uh, uh, Scourge, Optimus stops Scourge in time so that Scourge doesn't kill the human. And uh, Scourge is like, why did you stop me? I almost had him. And Optimus is like, at the price of a human life. And Scourge says, what difference does a human life make when it comes to crushing one's enemies? And Optimus does this great line. This is Neil Kaplan playing Optimus Prime, who says, what did you say? And now he knows they've been lying the whole time. And when at this point, Optimus, like, so this goes back to my uh, microcast on Optimus Prime and how I prefer Rodimus to Optimus. Well, let me just put it this way I don't prefer Rodimus to Optimus. I, Rodimus is more exciting to me than Optimus. Let me put it that way. And partially because, as I said before, Optimus traditionally is fully formed, he's fully developed. There's no more real, they don't explore a whole lot of growth with the character. Although you could make the argument, and you know, uh, Shadowingtronics on YouTube recently gave a counterpoint to that, saying, "Yeah, he's an aspirational character, so you know there isn't a lot of growth to that." But, uh, or, the, or rather, the growth happens in different ways. Anyway, you can go check out Shadowing's uh, YouTube counterpoint to my discussion on Optimus. But th- th- my point that I'm building here is that this particular scene, we get to see Optimus lose his cool. He is so angry. He's why is he angry? Because he trusted these people, and his trust has been betrayed. He trusted these people and endangered lives because he trusted these people. And he's disappointed, he's so disappointed that these people that he believed in are not what he believed in. And so we get to see him get fiery, hot, angry. Like, like literally, fire. he's on fire. <laughs> it's, a, it's robots in disguise, so it's, it's silly and weird, but he like, he's on fire with, um, as Prowl puts it, penultimate power. And all the other Autobots like, I guess we can stand back. We don't got to do anything now. And, you know, Optimus, you know, sends the Decepticons packing. It would have been fun to see a little bit more action in the scene, but they only had like a minute left in the episode. But it was still emotionally a, a really cool supercharged moment where you could see, you know, the fully formed guy finally lose his stuff because, yeah, these bad guys really played his weakness against him very effectively. Um. So, and, and that, that tension kind of goes back and forth throughout the rest of the series. It doesn't really, um, Scrooge never fully comes around, to spoilers, uh, but it's not like they leave that one hanging too much. Um, but, but yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a perfect mix in my mind of just enough kind of light humor about and, and, and just enough menace and danger and, and uh, nastiness all wound together into this guy who is a dark reflection of Optimus Prime. And I know there's been other iterations of this in the form of Nemesis Prime and other series, but uh, I don't, this one is my favorite. Scourge is my favorite. Um, so, yeah, and I'll link to the episode, uh, the Decepticons, in the show notes, as well as Shadow Wings retort to my Optimus and uh, Rodimus entries. So... This has been another entry in the Art Sound Off Challenge, artsoundoff.com, artsoundoff hashtag on all social media where me and my buddy Rob Sensinger challenge ourselves to check in every day in the month of November with an audio essay. We challenge everybody else to do the same thing or or not. Do one a month. Do one a couple weeks. Uh, every couple weeks, rather. Don't even share it if you don't want to. The whole idea is just to practice the, this, this uh, process or this skill of thinking aloud and journaling about your art. As for me, The spin I'm putting on it is I'm thinking about 30 different Transformers over the month of November and thinking about how unpacking what I love about them as a means to figure out how this particular franchise has informed my art and inspired my art. And this is part of the 4 Million Years Later podcast, which is 4millionyearslater.com, all spelled out. And every day in November, I'm, I'm updating it with a little journal on a particular Transformer. And then in December, me and my buddy Hoover are taking the feed and turning it into a weekly podcast where we're just watching an episode of Transformers Generation 1 a week and then talk about it for a little bit, review it, chew on it. The same way I'm doing with these character studies, but we're going to do it for the whole episode. So if you haven't yet, please subscribe to 4millionyearslater.com. You can find it in all your favorite podcasters. Okay, I got to go. Uh, I'll be back tomorrow with another Thunder Punch Daily. And until then, remember everybody... In today's adventure, Stanlin was trapped in an old, dark building. He had to face many dangers, from demons to monsters. Now, in your world, there are no demons or monsters, but there's still danger in old, dark places. Empty buildings or caves may seem exciting, but you could get badly hurt or trapped in places like that. So stay out of them, even if one of your friends dares you to go in. Taking a risk like that isn't brave. It's just dumb.